Welcome to the My Opinion Podcast, the leadership podcast for women. This is a show that focuses on leadership, life, and love to empower women around the world to be the leader of their life. The My Opinion Podcast is a weekly show with Maya's Motivation Monday, focusing on leadership topics for women that feature guest interviews as well as solo episodes with Maya. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share the My Opinion Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Now, in her opinion, here's your host, Maya Roffler. Welcome back to Motivation with Maya on My Opinion. Today, I have another incredible guest with me. Her name is Dr. Sarah E. Brown. Uh, Sarah is many things. She is the author of The Book of You, and she is also the founder of Know Thyself, LLC, and so many more things we're going to find out about today. Sarah, thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, welcome to the show. So let's dive in. You have some amazing, interesting concepts to talk about uh, with us today, but let's start with your story. Tell us a little bit about how you became the author of The Book of You and Dr. Sarah E. Brown and also the founder of Know Thyself. Let's dive in. Well, I have a 30-year corporate history. Most recently, I was managing director at Accenture, which I often have to tell people is the largest consulting and outsourcing firm in the world. And in the last few years of my career, I was observing a problem that was really bothering me. And it was a large number of predominantly women, mid-career professional women, who most of whom were in the wrong jobs, all of whom were telling me they were miserable. But when I would interview them and ask them, what do you want? They couldn't answer the question. And that really bugged me. If you don't know what you want, you're unlikely to get it. And so I started thinking about what can I do to actually help these women? And as I'm thinking about this, I sat at the dining room table and I said to my husband, you know, this is really sad. If you don't know what you want, you aren't going to get it. And he turned the question around on me and he said, do you have what you want? And I had to really think about that. Mm-hmm. And and I thought about it and I thought, well, you know, I can't honestly say I get all excited what, about getting up and going into work every day. Yes, I've got a great job. I'm working for a great company. I've got great clients, but I can't honestly say everything is perfect. So I started thinking more about the problem and observing, and there were women that were getting out of the rut. And those women that were getting out of the rut were the ones that were hiring coaches. And I got really curious about what these coaches were doing. Now, I could afford to hire a coach, and I did. But frankly, the hard work of figuring out who I was, I still had to do. That wasn't something the coach was going to be able to do for me. So I got curious about what these coaches were doing because most of the women that I really cared about were never going to go hire an executive coach anyway. They were expecting the women at the top, and there weren't a lot of women at the top, to actually coach and mentor them and pull them through. But those women can't do it. That's an unrealistic expectation that the very few women at the top of an organization are going to be able to pull everybody through and have time for all of those coaching and mentoring conversations. So I got really, really curious about what were those coaches doing? And how could I bring that power 
to those women that I saw who were so desperate, so miserable, and just felt stuck. And when I retired from Accenture, which my coach helped me to do in light of what my interests and strengths were, I dedicated myself to helping women get very, very clear about what they wanted and going after it and helping the women at the top to be able to focus on what only they can do, which is mentoring and not the coaching itself. I love this. Thank you for sharing all of that. I love this story, Sarah. And I know we were dabbling in this conversation before I hit record. And I just loved what you were saying. And now you've shared it with my incredible listeners about the fact that, you know, you can't necessarily coach, like that's a lot, but you can mentor. And so I want to dive into that a little bit more in just a second, but congratulations on being able to retire. I think that's incredible. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said too, about, you know, you were watching these women get empowered and move forward and they had coaches. And I think it's really important that when we want to make a change, we want to get clarity on where we're going and our vision that, we do reach out and we get help and we get with someone who's right for us and fits the vision for us and really speaks to us. And it sounds like you did that and here you are. So I just want to point that out because that's a huge part of your story, I would assume. And a huge part of your success is is getting that coach and, and moving in the right direction. Can I add something to that? Please. It it happens to be one of the principles and the paradox all at the same time of self-coaching. Mm-hmm. We have to do it ourselves, but we cannot do it alone. Mm-hmm. But the individual on the other end of the conversation does not need to be a trained coach if we've got the tools to hand to that individual. And there's an interesting story that illustrates this point. In 1862, in the United States, I know you have a global audience, so I I just want to highlight this was in the United States. Our country was very divided. In fact, we were at war with each other. And Abraham Lincoln, one of the great leaders of our time, was struggling with what he was going to do. And one of the ideas he was batting around was the Emancipation Proclamation. And he called an individual, a friend of his, who was a fellow lawyer from Springfield, Illinois, by the name of Leonard Swit, to come to the cabinet room and talk with him about these ideas. And Lincoln went up one side and down the other with various options of things he could do, what he wanted to do, what his purpose was, what his mission was, up one side and down the the other for hours. And at the end of a couple of hours, he said, thank you very much. I have my decision. I am through. Leonard Sweat walked out of the room and said he had never, ever said a word. That's the principle of self-coaching. We can't do it without voicing it to another human being. We get clear about about what we really want when we do that. But we have to take responsibility for initiating the process and going about it the way Lincoln went about it. And that's what I'm trying to do when teaching others how to self-coach. Hey everyone, it's Maya, the host of the My Opinion Podcast, the leadership podcast for women. I hope you're enjoying this incredible episode of the podcast. Now you can learn more about leadership and how to be the leader of your life. 
you can click on the show notes right now and download your guide on how to be the leader of your life written by me, Maya Roffler. We'll go over the four pillars of how to be the leader of your life. We'll review your values, your mission, not only your purpose, but your purposes and your vision. So download the guide right now and enjoy the rest of this podcast episode. So you were talking about your comparison to Abraham Lincoln with the self-coaching, and I love that. So can you just mention kind of the ending part again so I can comment on it? Because that was amazing. So the the point of that story and the, the paradox of self-coaching is that we have to do it ourselves. We have to take the initiative just like Abraham Lincoln did. We have to direct the process, but we cannot do it alone. We have to have another human being. And I can't tell you exactly why that is, but you probably had situations where you said something to a friend or a colleague and you kind of looked around and you said, did I just say that? Yeah, that is what I'm thinking. It's just something about having another human being in the process that makes it come alive for us. And we start to get clear about what it is we really want. I love this example. Again, great story. Thanks for sharing this with us. And you're so spot on with this because how many times are you talking to a girlfriend, a friend, a colleague and working out a situation and you work it out yourself? You're like, oh, that's the answer. (laughs) Wait, okay, now I know what my next step is or my next move. And it was within you the whole time. And so this example is really helping me understand, Sarah, what self-coaching is, right? It's it's getting it out there. And is it kind of understanding that you have a lot of the answers within yourself? Let's kind of talk about you, that. You do have a lot of the answers within yourself, but there are tests that need to occur. And one of those tests is that what you want, you really want because it is a part of you. So a part of what makes self-coaching effective is because it's individualized and it's grounded in who you are. And that's the first step. It's getting clear about who you who you are. Again, work only you can do. You had mentioned before we started recording that I do a lot of work with personality assessments. And the reason I do that is because it helps individuals get to the core of who they are faster. It isn't the total answer, but it sure is a jumpstart. But you don't even need a personality assessment to start that. You can start by getting clear about what your interests are, what your strengths are, and what your needs are. What are the things, e.g., what are the things that cause you stress? And when you have that and you share it with another individual who knows and cares about you and you come back and you say, this is a goal I'm going after, it's immediately obvious whether it's in line with your interest streaks and needs or not. And again, it's voicing it out, and it, but it's grounding it in who you are personally. Yeah, I totally understand where you're going with that. And I do love personality tests too. I I think they're great because I think you said this beautifully. They really jumpstart you and you learn things about yourself. I I love like when people haven't done like a disc test or something, you know, Mm -hmm. when it could fill in the blank, which one, you know, there's different ones. But when somebody does one for the first time and they're like, that's 
frequently accurate, you know, about me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, and it's a, it's a tool. It's not everything like you were saying, right. There's more to unpack and there's more to, you know, learn about yourself, but it's a good baseline to understand things. And you got to start somewhere when you start, you know, with this and, and on this journey. And I've just always enjoyed them. And it's been helpful in leadership roles too, and understanding the dynamic of a, a group, right. So mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting, but I want to, so I want to go back to what you were talking about with, you know, knowing yourself first, because that's what we talk about a lot on this podcast as well is being the leader of your life. And what that means is to know yourself first before you step out in the world. So I love that you're saying this, Sarah, like that's huge. So kind of walk us through in your version in the book of you and within your own company and what you do, walk us through kind of what that looks like for you and, and the journey that, you know, you talk about, because this is your mission and helping women to do this. So I'm just fascinated because we're so aligned on a lot of the things that we're mm -hmm. talking about. So you say to start with yourself and know yourself too, but kind of walk us through what that journey looks like. So I focus on three components that again, is just a jump start. I focus on interests, behavioral strengths and motivational needs. And let me say a little bit about all three, because they're all all things that your listeners can actually work on right now. You don't have to go take a personality assessment to do this. So interests are the things that you love. Do you like being outdoors? Would you rather be indoors? Do you like being around a lot of people? Would you rather have a lot of quiet time? It's things like that. Do you like numbers? Do you like words? Things like that. And you could go a long way to writing down your interests. If you just take 15 minutes, and you write down one side of a piece of paper, all of the things that you love to do. And on the other side of the paper, you write down all the things that you don't love to do. Anybody can do that. And you will get a really good handle on what your interests are. And you can then look at a job and say, all right, how much of my interests am I getting to do? How much am I getting to avoid the things I hate? And make small tweaks just with that little bit of an exercise. Strengths are a little harder. I find that we are very jaded in understanding what our strengths are. We may think we're empathetic, but the rest of the world may not think that we are sure. empathetic. <laughs> empathetic. Yeah. So I've, I find that short of a good personality assessment, I find that the best thing to do on strengths is to ask other people. And here's the question that you can ask them. When I was at my best, what was I doing? And just keep quiet and take notes. Now, again, you're going to go back and process this with another human being who knows and cares about you to come to terms with, with whether or not this is a strength or not. But you are going to get very clear if you ask three to five people, what are my strengths? And you're going to look at that and go, why didn't I think of that? But that there you go. The motivational needs is a little harder. It is that's where I use the Berkman Method Personality Assessment. It's a really robust business assessment tool. Yes. And it has an uncanny ability to distinguish the way we usually behave from the way we are expecting others to behave back to us, which then starts to become our needs. So it can begin to zero in on needs faster than any approach that I know. But you don't even need to take a personality assessment to begin to get at your needs. All you need to do is take a very stressful situation, what was going on, and start asking, why was it stressful? And ask that five times. 
And if you start dwelling down five times, you're going to get down to a basic need. I need more quiet time or a basic fear. I need to avoid this. If you keep asking that question five times, you will eventually get down to those things that you need to either avoid in a job to minimize stress or you need to make sure is present so that you don't go into stress. So those are the three components that I start with because they are a really good way to jumpstart getting clear about who you are. It will then go to different label layers. I think I don't think we'll ever end the journey of getting clear about who we are, but we can certainly get started by looking at those three things and then start making improvements in our current job or a future job in line with that. I love that. That's actionable right now. I'm all about that, Sarah. So I think that's so awesome that you're giving us tools right away to just jump in. And we have three things we can do right now. And I really love what you said about the strengths and weaknesses. That's it. That is a tough one too, right? Because I think mm-hmm. sometimes we are a little jaded, especially when we haven't had, you know, maybe um, some teams that have been really um, straightforward with us and told us before, right? It depends. It depends on what kind of leaders you've worked for or other people you've worked around. It just, it depends on your environments, right? Sometimes you work around people that are very direct and they will tell you. And then there's some people that don't, right? So getting that feedback, I love what you said. Go to a couple of people and ask them, what was I like at my best? What was I like in this situation? And hearing those positive traits, I think are really important. And then I think sometimes just to to talk about us as women, I think sometimes we're really hard on ourselves too. So Mm -hmm. sometimes I think it's hard for us to think about our strengths. So it's like, it's both sides. I think we're we're kind of challenged with in that kind Mm -hmm. of exercise. That's what I've found when I've done something similar like that. So I really love that one. And then the last one as well, because I think Sometimes we don't always understand where our stressors are coming from or why that situation is so tough. And we'll just kind of shrug it off and be like, well, it's because I have to be here or I have to be working or I have to make money. And there might be a whole lot more there. It's just not a fit. Mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. you don't like the hustle and bustle, or maybe you want to be working at home instead of, or maybe you want to go into an office instead of, you know, and instead of getting quiet and real with yourself, we just kind of shrug you know, push those things under the rug. So I love this exercise because you're forced to look at it in a in a positive way, a positive force. I think that's great. And, and let me say something that you raised about weaknesses. Yeah. There, there's a reason why I don't suggest you ask people what your weaknesses are. Yeah, let's talk about that. Why? The reason is because what they view as a weakness could very well be a stress reaction. Mm-hmm. It could be uh, the result of you being in a stressful situation, your needs not being met and not being in total awareness that this is what's going on. So your behavior is not indicative of what it would normally be if you were in a less stressful situation. So I I tend to suggest that you get this feedback from others on the positive side and begin to explore your needs first. And then, and only then, after you've got a really good inventory of what you're really good at, then you can start looking at negative feedback, what what you were talking about, negative feedback. Mm -hmm. But you can process it in light of were there needs that weren't being met? Mm -hmm. Or is this really something I need to pay attention to? Yeah. 
Yeah. You can come from a different place after that. Mm-hmm. I, I love, there's a progression of, of when to do that and when to analyze that. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. That brings a different context to it for sure. I think, again, I think this is a great exercise. I think everyone should do it. Yeah. Taking inventory about it. And I think too, like you said, you're always evolving as a person too. So this is something like, you're not just going to do once in your life. You need to keep checking in with yourself. And, you know, I'm totally different than I was five years ago, 10 years ago. Right? So my answers would be different. So I think this is ongoing to your point of, of who we are and our development. Tell us a little bit more about, I know we're talking about personality tests and all of that, but I want to dig into your book a little bit, Sarah. Tell us a little bit more about the book of you. Really curious about it. Okay. The book of you is designed to be a coach in a book. Mm -hmm. So it's based off of the Berkman Method Personality Assessment. And with data about you, there's a process that you can follow for roughly a 30-day period of time working with another individual where you take this kernel of information about you, you test it with another individual who knows and cares about you, and then you figure out what to do with it and how how to actually structure that into goals that are unique to you and build the support around you to actually go after and get it. So it's completely personalized to you, um, but it is essentially the process that we've been talking about today with the actual data about you in the process. So would this be considered self-coaching? Is this a self-coaching that you do during the book? Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is the personality test that you've referred to. I've heard of this personality test, but I've never done it. So now I'm really curious and I want to do it. And so when you talk about another person, do you have a a recommended person in someone's life? Like is a spouse a good person or should it be more objective? Yeah, this is why I wanted to bring this up because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening going, oh, my husband or girlfriend or partner or spouse or whatever would be the perfect person, right? And I wanted to get your opinion on this. Okay, so tell us why not. I want to hear no. this. <laughs> the, the spouse knows you too well. Yep. And, and, and there is, when you go through a process like this, and I'm sure that you encountered some of this with DISC and some of the other things, there are things that were put in front of you and go, oh, no, that's not me. Right. You want to reject that's it. Not- <laughs> you you immediately reject it. Say, oh no, that's not me. And but then when you share it with another individual and you start talking about it, particularly if that individual knows you, they go, "Well, have you considered?" And maybe it's not. It's more accurate than you think it is. But a spouse just comes back and says, "Yes, you are." And then you've got an incredible amount of tension. Uh, so it's a good idea to do it with somebody who is a little more removed. Yeah. I, a good girlfriend is fine, but I don't think doing it with a partner or a spouse is a good idea. Yeah. I, I had to ask you that. I'm like, I need to know your opinion on this because I mm-hmm. I can you know hear people asking me about it now, or I can even hear your thoughts right now, guys. <laughs> like, oh, I'll just have my you know husband, girlfriend, boyfriend, whoever help me with this. Yeah. Yeah, because we, my husband and I have done these personality tests because we really like them. And he'll be like, I'm not so sure about that. I'll do exactly that. I'm like, yes, you are so that way. And he's like, well, you're mm-hmm. so that way. I'm like, okay. So that went through my mind. So, okay, this is awesome. So this book is the complete principle of self-coaching. You actually get to implement it while you go through the book. 
while you're yes. reading through the book and you have a partner mm-hmm. to do this. Now, the person that you're doing this with, are they also doing the exercise or are they just your buddy? They, they can, but okay. they don't have to be because I give you all the questions that you then take to them and start talking about. So I arm you with the, with the information that you take to them and the questions that you should dialogue with them. But it is a very powerful process if you go through it buddy to buddy because they're then experiencing the same thing you are. Yeah, I would imagine that quite a bonding experience. And, and Maya, in, in that vein, when I'm doing work in corporations, I generally am um, doing peer coaching. So so a cohort of women will be paired up in pairs and they're going through the process themselves and they're they're then coaching each other. I love that. Okay, great. So that kind of leads me to my next question. As you were talking about earlier, the difference between the coaching and the mentoring mm-hmm. and, and self-coaching and all of this, can we dissect that a little bit more, Sarah, and talk about the differences? Because I know a lot of my listeners have heard, and we, we chatted about this before we hit record, coaching is talked about all the time, especially during the pandemic. We saw so many people become coaches, quote unquote, as my bunny ears go up. And there's a lot of great legitimate coaches out there. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people Mm -hmm. out there that are not legitimate and they're coaches, right? And there's some people that fall in between. It is what it is. This is life right now, right? There's a difference in mentoring. And I love this concept of self-coaching, but can you kind of define this for us, Sarah, so we have an understanding of what it all is? That would be awesome. So I make a big distinction between coaching and mentoring. Coaching is like support to report. The coachee, the individual at the center of the process is doing most of the talking and he or she is being supported to really come to an understanding about himself or herself based on what she's voicing. So the questions from the coach help and the direction and the support helps, but we're really supporting the individual to report out what is deep inside of them. So coaching is appropriate for getting clear about what you want. Coaching is appropriate for building confidence in what you want. Coaching is important for building commitment to what you want. A lot of the benefits of the coaching process. Mentoring is different. Mentoring, my code for that is share to spare, share to spare. It's when someone who has more experience in where I want to go can share something with me that allows me to avoid learning that by trial and error. So a mentor shares a story from his or her own background, advice. I've seen this happen 10 times. You don't want to do this because this is what's going to happen. Or guidance or feedback, specific feedback on what they observe in light of what I told them I want, not just feedback in general, but specific feedback on my behavior in light of what I want. That's the role of a mentor. And it's very different and a lot less time consuming than the coaching process. And so for your audience, for the senior, particularly the senior women that are listening, they don't have time to coach all of the women in their organization. But if you break it down and they do have time for five minute conversations Mm -hmm. occasionally, 
So the mentoring, we can't take away, but the coaching part, we can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think this is incredible how you just defined this, because I think there's so much just gray out there with this. So understanding what this really means. And then also, I love how you're defining it by giving examples and also, you know, applying it into corporate America. It translates to entrepreneurship too, right? Mm -hmm. You're, I mean, you're even busier when you're an entrepreneur. We know this. (laughs) And and lonely. Yes. And lonely. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just, I think that's so beautifully said. And I think sometimes, you know, people are like, well, I'm a mentor and I'm a coach and I'm like, okay. And there's stuck again, so much there. I couldn't agree with you more, your definition of coach and coaching and the coachee, and then the, the mentoring, because, you know, and I've had some incredible mentors and just those nuggets, exactly like you explained it. They've said, look, look, I did this. I'm going to tell you how not to do this, (laughs) you know, like, and I've never Mm -hmm. forgotten those little pieces of advice. Mm -hmm. And I tell you, it's probably pushed me forward a couple years here, a couple years there with different things, because that's true mentorship. And I think that's really beautiful. Well, in the midst of all of that, Sarah, we now have been introduced to self-coaching, thanks to you. I know other people have probably talked about it, but this is not something that I've been privy to. So in the middle of that, having coaches and then having mentors, we can now self-coach. So how do we bring that in? Obviously we can do the book of you to begin all of that. And we can start with the exercises that you talked about today by really knowing ourselves, but what are some ways that we can also implement and get a little more involved with self-coaching and how do we know if it's for us? I think it's for everyone in my opinion, but what do you think? Well, if you go back to the story of Abraham Lincoln that I told, I don't think any of us really get clear about what it is we want or who we are until we start voicing it to somebody else and somebody that we trust. So I think that for women, particularly for women leaders, and and if you think about an awful lot of women leaders are onlys and lonelies. They're they're either the only woman in a role or they're very lonely because there are not many of them. They've got few people they can actually voice a lot of these things to. But finding somebody, and it doesn't have to be a peer, that's the beauty of this whole process, finding somebody that you can start voicing this to and grounding it in who you are with some quick exercises on who you are is a big start. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I love what you just said that it doesn't have to be like a peer. It can be someone because it is lonely. It is definitely lonely. <laughs> um, and it can be lonely for, for women, especially. Yeah, you put that very well. And I think sometimes, I, and some of you guys listening to this may think, oh, well, I'm not sure who I would turn to then. And that might be why they're thinking spouse, you know, significant other right away, mm-hmm. because they may not identify that other woman or peer that they want to go to right away. But I'd love that you just clarify that it doesn't have to be that person. It's just someone that you're comfortable opening up to and you can just be your, you can have a Lincoln moment and just open up and really just be honest about what you want and what, where you want to go. And I, you know, it's your, your clarity and vision. And I just, I say this all the time, Sarah, but I think, you know, if you don't have clarity on, on what you want, you're not going to go anywhere. I mean, that's your, your North star. I mean, you're just going to stay in the same place. I think that's really important. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. 100%. 
So tell us, Sarah, who do you typically, I know we have the book, so we can purchase the book and we'll talk about where to find that in just a few minutes, but we're, um, so know thyself, who do you typically work with? Now you were talking about working in cohorts and going into companies. So if, if people want to work with you, who do you typically work with? I am interested in working in companies that are roughly 1 billion about 1 billion in revenue. That seems to be the sweet spot uh, mm-hmm. for for what I'm doing. And they typically have an only or a lonely at the top, yeah. an only female or a lonely female executive who's feeling really stressed about pulling more women through and the expectations of the those women. And when I'm working with them, we are teaching the women how to self-coach and teaching them how they can interact with the, the few women at the top in mentoring conversations that are short and sweet so that they can get the advice, the counsel, and the lessons learned in a very efficient and pain painless way. Right. That yeah, like in a very succinct way. Mm-hmm. And, and don't you think, in your opinion as well, this is my opinion on this, and just kind of thinking as you were talking, like it doesn't it build a stronger relationship with that with that only and lonely at the top too, when you're able to go to them and it's more of a strategic connection that you have, and you're going to them for mentoring, and they understand that. Um, that's the right. There's a point. There's clarity to the conversation instead of, oh, here comes Maya talking to Sarah again. Right. She wants coaching mm-hmm. and like, I've got to run the whole company. No, I'm coming to you and I want a, a moment of mentorship. I love that. Right. Moment of mentorship. Exactly. Right? And, and the energy, the energy is very different. Mm-hmm. When you go to somebody with what you want versus what you don't want, the energy is very different in that conversation. Wouldn't you rather talk with somebody who's energized about where they think they want to go, even if they change it? But it's an, an entirely different conversation than I don't like this. I don't like that. I'm really feeling stifled here. Okay, well, what do you want? How does that make sense? That's not the role for the onlys and the lonelies at the top of the organization. That's our job is to figure that out. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. And, and something that I'm just like smiling away because this makes so much sense to me because something I learned really early on in my career, and I'm so grateful for this, is some of the best leaders I worked for. And now I carried this into my leadership style. I don't mind if people bring something to me, a challenge to me, but I want to hear solutions. It might not be the solution we go with, right? But I want someone who's energized to come to me and go, you know, this is going on, but you know, I think maybe if we did this or this or this, and that's what you want to hear. And I love that you're kind of bringing this up or aligned in this because it's a totally different message because they're not going to want to hear from Maya coming into her office, coming to Sarah, who's the CEO of the company. Sarah, this is not working again. I'm just not happy here. Like who's, no, that's not, no. Cause now we're coaching and we're talking and, and you've got a company to run. So it's a totally different conversation than me coming in going, Sarah, Hey, there's some things happening, but I'm excited about this. Cause I think I can fix it like this. And I'm pumped up. What, what do you think about that? That's a mentor moment, right? That's exactly. a mentor moment. Exactly. Um, and I'm excited. Look at my whole like body language as I'm talking to you about it shifts, right? It's a total it shift. So I get it. I'm really picking up on this. And I think, you know, I naturally learned and like leaned into self-coaching and I didn't realize it. And I bet all of you guys listening, we've done it. Just having the verbiage and actual process with your book. This is so amazing. So I want to ask you one more question. Then we're going to talk about where to find all of this too, um, Sarah. 
So as we kind of wrap up today, I know you've given so much advice, like, and I love all your sayings. They're so awesome as well. (laughs) The lonelies and onlys. And I love it because it's so true. But what, and this is a big question, but what advice would you give for my incredible listeners? Because a lot of them are, you know, stepping into leadership or are in leadership and are continuing to, you know, progress forward or, or perhaps even opening their own businesses. What are some pieces of, of advice that you would give them that you wish you knew and maybe haven't shared yet today on the podcast? Here's the one thing I wish I knew when I was going coming along. Yeah. I don't have to solve all the problems. I don't have to solve all of the problems that my direct reports have. That's their responsibility. I have to be there to provide the support and the hand when they're clear about where they want to go. And when you accept that, you you remove a whole host of burdens and a whole lot of guilt uh, from your plate. It is not your sole responsibility to pull everybody through. If everybody is doing what they love to do and following this coaching process and asking for what they need, it'll happen. It'll happen. And then we're all working for the inclusion and the equity that we really want. But it is not your sole responsibility. This is why I love asking this question. I get a different answer every week and I love it. And I love your answer so much. This was crippling for me when I first started out with large teams, Sarah, like really crippling. And so I connect with you so much on this answer. And thank you for sharing that and giving that advice because that alone, there's so much in this episode already, but that alone is just, oh my gosh, if I could give that as a gift to everyone listening is huge because I think, especially as women, we want to solve everything, right? We want to fix everything. We want everything to be perfect and great. And we have to know that we have to empower our people to to take that on and do that for themselves, right? So beautifully said. I love that. So tell us where we can find the book, find you, connect with you. Tell us all about it. Well, you can get a book at bookofyou.com. Again, B-O-O-K-O-F-Y-O-U.com. If you would like to learn more about uh, my corporate work, you can go to Sarah E. Brown, S-A-R-A-H-E, Brown, like the color, sarahebrown.com. And there you can actually download a copy of another book called Let My Your Personality Be My Career Guide. And that has even more exercises you can do without taking a personality assessment to help you get clearer on your interests and your strengths. I love it. Perfect. And we will put all of those links in the show notes and um, they can download that book. I didn't know you had that downloadable book. That's amazing. And of course they can purchase the book of you. That's perfect. We'll include that too. Thank you, Sarah, so much for being here. This has been awesome learning about self-coaching and all about you. This is again, such a cool topic. I love it. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Yeah, I I had such a blast. Thank you so much. And thank you guys so much for listening to my opinion. We'll see you back here next week. Thank you so much for listening to the My Opinion Podcast. You can catch up on past episodes on the My Opinion Podcast website at www.myopinionpodcast.com as well as read the My Opinion blog and contact Maya directly with your questions. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at My Opinion Podcast and Maya Roffler. We'll see you back here next week.